Today, it is my pleasure and privilege to be chatting to the incredible sculptor, uh, a certain Mr. Tom Stockton. This, this is the Mastering Portrait Photography Podcast. When I first set out to, to do this podcast, what I'd hope to be able to do is to interview photographers, business people, creatives, basically people who intrigued me, interested me, or simply inspired me. And Tom Stogden is one of those people that manages to do all three of those things. He's also someone who, over the years, I've gotten really, really well with. And although I'm not really known as a, a photographer who photographs artworks, uh, for Tom, because it's such a joy to work with his uh, creativity, I've been working with him now, I think, five or six years. Um, and when the opportunity arose, I asked him if he'd be willing to come onto the podcast. And of course, thankfully, he said yes. And so in this, you'll hear an interview between two people who actually got on really well. Uh, we've worked together for many years. And I start the interview by attempting, attempting to set the scene. Okay. So I describe the scene. Yeah. Why are you looking at it? Oh, yeah, no, I wrote so some got stuff a, out. You've got a crib sheet. I yeah, just yeah. want to have a look. Of course I've got a crib sheet. Okay. I am superhuman, but I need a crib sheet. Uh, let me describe where we are then. We're in your backyard. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite a posh backyard. Yeah, that's not my backyard. And what are you going to do when you move? Will you stay in this backyard? I think so. Yeah. I'm not sure. Really? Yeah. I think they quite like me here, really. Though I'm probably quite annoying. <laughs> you edit this? No. <laughs> I'm going to leave the pauses in. There'll be people jabbing the buttons going, what's happening? What's happening? Has it gone quiet? Going, oh, that's really weird. It's gone really quiet. Um, no, it's amazing. It is amazing. I'm Considering where my house? workshop how was. The, how was the manor house? I have no idea. It's a rectory. All right. How was the rectory? <laughs> <laughs> if we're just going to argue for the next 45 well, no, minutes, it's, just, it's going to be an interesting podcast. It's not that. It's just it's called the old rectory. <laughs> Yeah, but I've only ever known it as Tom Stogden's place. Okay, well, it's not. It's my mother-in-law's. All right, your mother-in-law's um, I think it is 1800 and something. Okay. But so old, but yeah, not Stone Age. Yes. And uh, I'm stood in your workshop area. Yeah. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Well, it's, in, it's always fascinating me because if you sort of say to someone, I call it a studio, but if you sort of say to people, oh, yeah, I've got a studio, and then they sort of turn up and they go, oh, you've got a workshop. <laughs> And, and so I do think there's, there's a bit of kind of snob value attached to that. So then I sort of say, I've got a workshop, and they expect it to be something different to how it is, so I don't know. Well, it's full of beautiful things. Yeah. It's full of wonderful stone and little bits of ironwork and finished sculptures. Is that letter S finished now? Yes. Where's it going? Nowhere. <laughs> no, because <laughs> because I, I was expecting it, I, you to give like a really glamorous answer. Yeah, it's going off yeah. to this famous actress. Yes, it's going to the uh, Sawbridgeworth estate. No, it's um, I made it for a show, and um, it didn't sell. Oh. And so my my little one, my six year old, says, "Yeah, well, Daddy, the reason why that S didn't sell is because it's too big. Because who's going to buy it? It's too big. And it, as it transpires, he's he's right. Yeah, but it's so, great." Yeah. You need to find a stately home that starts with the letter S. Yes, yes. And make it part of their brand. Yeah. Or maybe we could just put it outside our new house because then the postman would find it. Stogden. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we are. Shea Stogden. Yeah, we're the letter S. <laughs> yes. It is beautiful. I didn't know if you think about that while, while I decided on the letter to make. I mean, I've always been into sort of you know, lettering and making letters. But um, I chose that because it's quite river-like, because it's quite yeah, flowing yeah, yeah. as a shape and not taking on board that everyone would look at that and go, oh my God, he's so arrogant. <laughs> it's your name. And I'm like, well, it's not my name. My name's, my name's Tom. And they're like, yes, but it's Stogden. And I said, well, I don't call myself by my <laughs> surname. But, Stoggo. Yeah, <laughs> Stoggers. <laughs> but you're redoing your website at the moment, aren't you? I am. Take a picture of it. And that could be your, the big layer S down one side of the page. <laughs> it could. It'd look great. Yeah. But we'll photograph it here. I'm not bringing that into my studio. Okay. Oh, yes. All right. Honestly, you don't like a challenge. Well, I do like a challenge, but... 
I watch you lot clattering up our stairs every few weeks right. with another piece, and I keep reminding you, you can go somewhere else. Yeah, I don't want to bring the uh, the the level of this down, but we could take it back to that the uh, <laughs> studio that we hired that time with the double bed in it. They did weirdly have a double bed in the corner. It did. It's not every day you go to a studio where they. In fact, they had two beds. I think didn't they? One double bed, and there's another bed in another yes. corner. Yeah, it was just the guy who went. Yes, we do a lot of. Uh, Glamour work yeah. 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 It was an interesting day. It was an interesting day. So um according to I did a little bit of research, aren't you? Excellent. How long have we known each other? Um I don't know, ten years. Has it been that long? Less. No. Less? It's gotta be less. It might feel like ten years, but uh, it's not been that long. You've only been coming to our new studio, you never came to the old studio, as no, far I as I know. No. So what, five years? Well, the most it can be This seven. is a bit like my son's maths when I'm doing his tables with him. Right. Okay, what are seven sevens? You go, mm, 37? You go, no, he goes, 38? No. Mm, 41? No. Oh, we used to play a game with the kids in the car, Sarah did, being a mathematician. And with Harriet, she said, we play higher, lower. So, so picking them up between 0 and 100 is higher or lower. Than that. And we'd start off and Sarah would go, is it higher than 50? And Harry would go, no. Is it higher than 25? And Harry would go, no. Is it higher than 10? Harry would go, no. Is it between one and five? Harry would go, no. And we go, six, no. Seven, no. Eight, no. Nine, no. Well, what is it? 73. <laughs> At which point, the one day, the one day Sarah was so fed up, she pulled into a service station, walked out, and she said, she's yours, you can deal with her. <laughs> Harriet, it turns out, it was great at English. Yes, uh, I like Gabe. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so anyway, I did a little bit of research over and above the, I think, six or so years I've been working with you. Right. And it turned out you started out as a greengrocer. Yep. And it says somewhere you started building sculptures out of fruit and veg. Yep. Things have moved on a bit, haven't they? Yes, not, not necessarily for the better. <laughs> in my head, though, I've got this image of somebody shouting at you, Tom, will you please sell some fruit? In a minute, sir, I'm just building this melon ornate something. Yeah, my, well, when I worked for my family a, a million years ago, uh, my brothers were a bit irritated about the way that I used to pack the boxes because I, I always wanted everything to be kind of aesthetically pleasing because I felt that the chefs, the chefs would appreciate it more. <laughs> And my brothers were like, they really don't care. It's kind of, you know, what's in there rather than how it looks. Um, and that is quite interesting because that really kind of like put it on the back burner for me. And so I sort of um, kind of left it there really. And Did you when, really put it on the back burner? You weren't a sculptor at that point. No, and I, um, I was only about 18. Oh. And, and I, um, there are many sculptors who are 18, but not me. Um, <laughs> I sort of carried on with the family business until the old man died and then they sold the company and I ended up working for Sainsbury's, which I hated. Right. Um, hated Sainsbury's or hated working at Sainsbury's? Uh, no, I liked Sainsbury's. I, did, I didn't really like working. I did a management training scheme for a year. I, that I was, can't imagine anyone less likely to be. No, I, I kind of had this idea that perhaps I could become a buyer, which I quite fancied the idea of, right. but the kind of route into being a buyer was not as easy from the retail side as I thought. And, um, and so really your, your career path was to be a store manager. And I thought, oh my God, I really don't want to run a shop. <laughs> there Although are enough hours in the day for you to lay out all the fruit and veg Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, although they were in very, press, very impressed with my, my coursework, <laughs> which is very creative. Um, and then I went to, I got myself a job working for a Spanish company, an importing company. That was really interesting because it meant that I sort of saw this, my family, the, the way that they operated in, in the fruit business was that they went to Covent Garden Market, they bought yep. fruit and veg, they split the cases down into smaller things and supplied restaurants and hotels and things like that. And then I worked for a company where they brought in at the height of, of the busy part of the year, 28 articulated lorries a night. Wow. of fruit or wow. salads from Spain and that then went to the supermarkets yeah. and the wholesale markets and so it, it was you know, it was amazing I did that for about 10 years until I just couldn't stand it any longer <laughs> what did you do then how did how did you what triggered you jumping out of what essentially is a you know, retail corporate world um, I think because I realized that actually I would never um, I, I thought I just wanted to earn more and more money, and I did earn more and more money, but, but actually it, 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 didn't, it, it wasn't rewarding enough. 
and then I did a um, I did a black and white photography course printing course at St Martin's in the evening I know I don't tell you everything I like to keep things back he says on the podcast with lots of people listening and um, and the printing course was amazing because basically they said your your print is never going to be you know more exciting than your subject matter so you kind of have to choose a subject matter if you want to go away and make something or whatever so I basically went away and sort of made things to photograph and print um, and I thought well, actually that that's you know that was quite rewarding but the, the the quantum moment was I read an advert in the back of this trade magazine and it said that they were um, there was a flower show in Covent Garden Old Covent Garden yeah. and they would have some vegetable sculptures that's <laughs> why so I rang up and I said oh I do that complete lie and they went oh fantastic do you want to come in for a meeting which I did and um, they said could you make us two life-size people out of vegetables and I went yeah no problem thinking oh my god and they got a, a set designer to um, to help me and she sort of um, made the base forms up and um, I basically had to get all the vegetables and in effect make them look like people um, and it took me I think I didn't sleep for 36 hours I was standing in the piazza behind these security railings doing this thinking what on earth am I doing and um, I got a they said that they were going to give me all these credits and their credits were on page seven there was like micro <laughs> micro writing right. and thank Tom Stogden yeah. for so you did it for the exposure sculptures. yeah and which I didn't get any but then luckily uh, they did have a they had a, a press morning and it ended up on the front cover of the independent and I thought that's not bad um, I thought I've arrived this is it it's not um, a great thing to be trying to sell though something that goes off no no it's not and it's interesting because I, I do kind of wonder that if I'd gone at it a, a different way whether um, I so if I'd gone to art school yeah. and then took that on as a medium whether I would have sort of done oh, it differently well yeah why not <laughs> you know you kind of show you can be a kind of political artist and show lots of you know what happens in, with the food industry and, oh, and what have you. but um you know, I was always conscious of the fact that I had to find the client first and then make the piece yeah. for that. And I did do some really, really interesting jobs. Um, but it was, you know, hard work and not really a winner. And so then I ended up sort of um, using different materials that were less transient. Well, would sound like a sensible idea. Yeah. But um, I still really, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm quite fascinated by my fruit is kind of in my blood can't help it. <laughs> does Becca occasionally find you just sat at the fruit bowl arranging things no but I'm really irritating to go shopping with <laughs> I loiter for hours in the veg department I do yeah I'm like oh look at that it's really interesting <laughs> yeah so I mean at that stage you've, you're in a big corporate job yes and then you've decided I guess that the career track is going to take you out of that yeah how do you go about I mean at the end of the day you run out of money and yes. you run out of money quick Yes. In this day and age, unless yep. you have a nest egg somewhere. Yeah. So how did you go about those first steps into, and he's a horrible American term, sorry, my US listeners, uh, monetizing your talent? Um, basically, I, I sort of did it all wrong. So, so oh, right. basically, I, I, I had like what I thought was a big enough nest egg, which I didn't. I spent all my money and then realized that I didn't have enough <laughs> left to live ah. on. So I had to get another job. And so I ended up working... Um, part-time in a flower shop um, on the King's Road, the Bluebird, which is no longer there, but that was really cool. And um, Is that how you met Becca? No, I met Becca at another flower shop called Bloomsbury Flowers, right. um, who were in Covent Garden. And uh, yeah, see, serendipitous. And I met my wife, so uh, who, as I remember, was the, the rudest girl in the shop. <laughs> Which intrigued me. Oh, Everyone else was. Tell me, tell me more, because yeah. she always strikes me as being ridiculously polite. No, she she's is. lovely. No, she's lovely. I'd yeah. always regard you as the rude one. Yeah, unless she quite likes you, and then she's, if she's rude, you're, you're onto a winner. Oh, okay. She's always been very polite <laughs> to me. Does that mean she doesn't like me? Maybe. I'll ask. Oh, I'll have to check that now, won't I? Um, no, I remember sort of coming in and saying, oh, you know, everyone was like, oh, do you have a good weekend? And I said, oh yeah, I made this, I made this, this chair, this growing chair. I used to make kind of like growing chairs. That, that was the, the step in between fruit and um, stone. I, I would sort of make 
things that had like a growing element to them. And, uh, and I came and I said, oh, I made this chair and you never guess who bought it. <laughs> and they went to who and I said, Will Young. And they were like, wow, that's amazing. And I went, yeah. And, and Becca went, oh, well, he's hardly, uh, he's <laughs> hardly A-list celebrity, <laughs> more like D-list. And I thought, oh, that's just really rude. But because I really fancied I didn't say, who have you sold a chair to then? Which would what is a growing chair? Uh, basically, it was a chair made out of steel and birch and then it had a growing seat so it was uh, chamomile or oh, okay. sedum or whatever but yeah. you could sit on them but, um, yeah oh very cool mm. so at this stage you're working in a florist yep and you're busy i'm guessing trying to figure out how to make money from this talent of yours yeah um i'd moved i mean meanwhile i'd moved into i i would say again the sort of one of the kind of like big moments was I moved into a group workshop that someone had told me about in Wandsworth that had all these amazing artists and that. And um, I only got in there sort of by chance. So the, the chap who I was working for at the flower shop in the King's Road said, oh, there's this really amazing studio, so you should go and see if you can get space there. And I said, oh, they won't want someone making stuff out of vegetables. And he said, oh, no, just go in, knock on the door. You know, they'll love it. And um, this is Chris Sharples. He's a very nice guy and very just not defeated by anything he's like just just go and do it so i knocked on the door and this girl opened the door and said hello can i help you <laughs> and i said oh, i'm looking for a space and she went oh you need to talk to michael haynes la 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 and uh, and i said oh what's your name and she said nicola and i said okay cool thank you very, so much so i rang and left a message saying hi i spoke to nicola earlier blah 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 and as it transpired about a year after i had been in the studio he said to me you told me you were a friend of Nicola's and that's the only reason I let you in. <laughs> and I said, no, I didn't. <laughs> anyway, I stayed there for 12 years. <laughs> Did you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a, a really great space. Really interesting people. And I suppose that um, that whole kind of not going to art school, um, that was my kind of going to art school. It was like right. a foundation course because there, there were lots of ceramists and jewellers and printers yeah. and... You know, it was just quite fascinating and, and um, you got to sort of just see how people did things and, and what materials they used and, you know, all, all of that kind of goes in and you absorb all that. That's amazing. Yeah. Sort of like a, sort of, sort of like being on a sculpture seminar for yeah. 12 years. I, I think it's really important because I, I mean, I think, uh, I suppose they, see now in effect, I suppose I work from home. And there, there would always be this thing about, oh, you work from home, you can't be a professional. Um, but because I sort of worked in a studio for 12 years, then actually I couldn't wait to get out at the right. end because it, it's that whole thing of when, when you're, you're sort of younger and, and you're, you're not sure about what you're doing, you're sort of, you're asking people's opinions. Yeah. And the, the danger with that is people give you their opinion and then they keep giving you their opinion years later when actually yeah. you don't really want their opinion and um how did you learn to cherry pick because i mean the thing is you know when creative people tell you things about your creativity on yeah. the one hand they're knocking the interesting corners or could conceivably knocking the interesting corners off your work on the other hand they might be giving you very useful insight how do yeah. you how did you find ways of filtering out the stuff you wanted to ignore or felt you had to ignore and pick on the stuff that was interesting. I think ultimately, because you know when you've made something good and when you're asking people's opinions on it, what you're really doing is, is saying, oh my God, I've spent so long doing this. Please tell me it's okay. <laughs> when really, you know it's not okay. Right. And, yeah. and that is a lesson that you keep learning, I think, right the way through. Yeah. Uh, because it, yeah, it's quite a thing that you've spent so long you know, making a mistake that it doesn't make it right, ultimately. Um, and there are there are people who you learn who you know they 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 will be passively negative um and, and other people who are actually they are genuinely sort of saying look i think this would this would really help um tash daintry was really really good you know she would sort of say you know it's, it's great but it looks really heavy and i would, I would kind of go oh, of course it looks heavy it's stone tash and she's like no but it looks like it's it's too kind of earthed and actually 
she's completely right because she's a, a ceramist and if you look at her work it always it's slightly kind of cut away underneath and it gives this this lightness so it's this Almost air like it's underneath it on yeah and so it was it was really um me interpreting what she w she was saying but you know it was really really good advice because but it's, it's totally right you know something looking like it's part of what what it's on or something that is is floating above it yeah and, you, and your work does have that and it's something i mean i suppose an aside you know the story with me and you is that i've been photographing your work every couple of months really for as long as i've yeah. known you which we, after the podcast i'm gonna have to go back and find the dates because i can i think it's five years i think yeah. it's five years and you are the only person i do this kind of work with I even know, though you, i keep trying you to persuade you time. to go I, elsewhere i know but it's because I love oh, your work. It's so boring, those glamour photographers. <laughs> I, I, yeah, go find another photographer where you have to wipe down the surfaces before yeah, you put yeah. your work on it. Yeah. Um, the reason I love it so much, and I, and I get to see just how heavy the stuff is as you grapple with it up our stairs, because that's, yes. that's the shortcoming of our studio, yeah. is I have stairs everywhere. Uh, and then we place it in the studio and we place it on a plinth or on the floor. And it is effortless, they just sit and they, I, mean, I can't say they look light, they're made out of steel and stone, I'm not saying they look light, but there's an aesthetic about them that I find really beautiful. And I, I do think whether it's a letter S, or it's a circle filled with Welsh slate, or it's the Manhattan or London skyline, whichever one of the variants you know, that we had in the studio of those two, they're distinctly you. I would recognise, I think I would recognise your, <laughs> I'm not going to play that quiz game, Yeah. <laughs> but I think I'd recognise your work, in spite of the fact that actually each of these shape forms is slightly different. In fact, some of them are quite different. Um, yeah. The brick with a dog cut out in the middle, you know, is, is, is really quite a departure. But I think I'd probably still clock it as a high chance it's yours. Yeah. How have you done that? What is it that makes it yours? Um, I don't know. I, mean, I, I think that you, um, ultimately, you, you, you kind of, well, I suppose the, the, the the challenge i mean i can't speak for other artists but the, the 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 challenge for me is that i want there to be a um it's like a it's almost like a language that that you're using that that, that people sort of go oh yeah actually you know i not i understand that but that's it's obvious that it's yours um but you don't keep want to keep producing the same work yeah because one it's boring um and I don't do it to kind of be bored because yeah, that's why you have a desk job. Um, but it's, I suppose it's the way that you work means that actually it does always look a little bit like, like you, um, not like you, but I don't look like that. No, you don't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, he, not he look, I'm not he saying you look, I'm not saying you does not look like that. <laughs> he does not look like his art. He yeah. doesn't look like he's made of stone or steel. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I suppose it's sort of, yeah, it's really just you know you're it's kind of creating a yeah a language really that um, that is is mine and so that I, I really like that and that's not that's not anything particularly consciously that that you do well, well as you know so when I try and make something um, because I think oh I just, you know I just I have something in my head and this is how I want it to look and then it never looks as it looks in my head. It's almost like I can't yeah. do that. I'm always striving to to do that. And again, I'm, I'm, I think there are lots of artists who what they see in their head they can produce, and you know that must be amazing. But um, I'm always. How do you think it would be? Yeah. Do you? It must be really satisfying. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I finish things, and I, I kind of walk out the studio, and I think, oh god, I don't like that. And then I come back the next morning, and I think, oh, I really like that. It's weird. It's almost like rather than feel this kind of elation when you put the last yeah. piece of stone in or, or take the last piece out yeah. but um you you just feel a little bit depressed it's like this kind of battle and but then when you come back in the next morning that's the test for actually that's really yeah cool. we d i talk or, about the same thing with photography and um, i i recommend with photographers probably with creatives as a much bigger superset but certainly with photographers leave your work come back to it yeah. in six months a year which actually as a photographer is easy to do because even if you've given a client a picture you probably still own they, they've taken a facsimile you've got the original so you can go back to your portfolio because I actually think 
when you remove the desire to do what you were doing because so often you're right so often when i finish a set of pictures i'm disappointed yeah on that day if i look at the pictures straight away i'm disappointed because in my head i've got these things i was trying to do yeah i probably never took that but it doesn't mean what i've created isn't any good it's just that at that moment in time i'm measuring it against what i was trying to do which is why so often when we're photographing your work i'll tell you your work is beautiful but i'll be very non-committal about the pictures yeah at that stage yeah because in two days time when i've sat back and now i'm just looking at the pictures as a picture yeah it's a very different experience and i yeah. love it i love you know i love my work i'm not i, mean, I don't mean that in a kind of immodest way i just mean no, no. i really enjoy taking pictures but i hate that moment when just at the minute you've done it and all you feel is flat and people don't understand that yeah but i i, I mean maybe everyone sort of feels feels like that i don't know it's, it's difficult isn't it because seeing the fruit trade I, I, love I love that that's our anchor. No, <laughs> I used to love it. No, but when, I, the fruit when I was working for like the Spanish <laughs> company and things, and basically then it was all about selling. And so you had like big trading yeah. boards. Shows how long ago it was. You know, we'd literally had the first computers, but you still had massive trading boards down this whole long wall and there'd be like 15 desks all lined up and you all had two telephones. And you would have a stock of 8,000 boxes of iceberg letters. And your boss would go, right, the market's this get on and sell it and you'd be like oh god it's really hard work <laughs> and so you and you didn't know what the guy next to you was doing or whatever and, blah, blah, blah. and it's, it's it's again it's getting that that courage of your convictions to sort of go well actually i've spoken to a few people i don't think the market is that and you you don't do that as like a young 20 year old you're like oh god I'm a bit scared and um and i had this really like cool mentor who was this real like east ham boy bloke he was like, go on, son, get on with it, it'll be fine, go on, you'll be all right, go on. <laughs> you know? And then you do like a really bad job and you go, oh, he's only trying, boss. And, um, <laughs> but it, when you make a good trade, you put the phone down, you're like, yes. And it, you know, but it's gone immediately. But that, that sense of, oh, that's fantastic, <laughs> is really, really good. You know, and as you get older, we, we, again, still like in the fruit trade, that, that you, you have all these kind of like, you know, younger people kind of going, yeah, I've done this and I've done that. And you, you're thinking, no, that's really not a very good trade because I know that the job's going that way and you've just sold it to someone who never buys from you. And it's because they know the job's going that way and you don't, and you think that's a good price. And four hours later, that's the worst price on the sheet. You know, and it's, yeah. it's interesting. And so that, that, I really enjoyed that side of it. I just didn't like all the politics. Right. It was just awful. Um, yeah, that's still in me. So, I mean, talking about selling, mm. I mean, of course, the challenge I think all creatives, maybe not all creatives, all the creatives I've met struggle with, whether you're a musician, a sculptor, painter, photographer, fashion designer, is how do you value your work? How do you put a price on your work, given the insecurities most of us have about it? Um, I think initially it was it, it, it was sort of really difficult and um, you if you're not with a gallery um, did you start straight away with a gallery no right. no and and again that's that, that's a real kind of conundrum with galleries that you know you you want to be with a gallery and galleries um, have hundreds of artists kind of writing to them on a weekly basis right. saying hi this is me this is what I do and you know they either sift through them or they bin them or because you know they have artists and you can only represent so many people um but it, it's this perverseness of the fact that you know when you're when you're starting out um or certainly for me that you don't want to be with the with the kind of gallery who want you yeah because it transpires that they're not a very good gallery um and you want to be with the galleries that don't want you and i think that carries on um yeah until you're at you know the top of your tree as it were but i i was really lucky that i was um picked up by a, a really nice gallery um still with them yeah um that's crane cowman in london and they're um they're really uh yeah they're really good and you know he's he's a mate and um you've been with them for years haven't you yeah about 12 years yeah. But, you know, I mean, he's like, you know, he's a friend now. And um, I think that's really important because you, um, I think it's important to have 
a relationship with someone who in effect is is selling your work because they have to understand you yeah um and they know you know what you what you're about and why you're doing it and um i think that kind of comes across you know i've never sold anything just on the internet have you tried no but you know people are like, oh why don't you have prices on your website and i'm sort of like because why would you buy a piece of art that you can't you know especially sculpture that you can't sort of look at it feel it you know yeah, it's just it's, it's very difficult it's actually one of the difficulties we have photographing your work is sometimes i worry well you can make it look too nice i can make it well it's not supposed to be too nice it's too big or too small because yeah, invariably we fill the frame yeah scale, scale is really difficult isn't it and your you stuff know. ranges from something i can put on a coffee table to something yeah. that i can put next to our house yeah um, yeah. and, and it's really scale. difficult and little piece people go oh I thought that was much bigger and vice versa but um, scale is just how, how do you do scale no, yeah, I, I mean I can yeah. spot it you know you yeah. get artists who, who kind of go oh I've done this for a show and, and you look at it and you think well you either live in a jungle or that is your grass yeah. that you've just made look a lot bigger with a very wide angle lens but um, you know I, I get that but, but I mean um, the texture and, and the I think that when we talk certainly I'm not pitching to you particularly, but actually what I'm trying to do is when I look at the picture, experience the same enjoyment I did when I looked at the piece. Sure. That's actually what I'm yeah. trying to get to yeah. is, is this sense that, you know, because I have the advantage I can touch and feel it. Yeah. And I can move around it and, ex and I experience it in three dimensions. As yeah. I, you know, that's what sculpture, that's what sculpture, that's what sculptures do. Yeah. Three-dimensional pieces on the whole. And you can move around them and touch them, and they have shape and noise. Yeah. You know, as you pat them, they make a particular sound. No, completely. And and I, I, love I, I totally think that you should be able to, you know, um, engage with all your senses with, with the sculpture. But you can't really do that in a lot of galleries. They're very sort of like, ooh, no, madam, you can't do that. I think your stuff is very tactile. Yeah. You know. Um, but it's also, it, it, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, you see people are very literal. So when I used to do the Chelsea Flower Show with Becca, that um, people, you say you painted like a, an ochre wall behind this piece and you had this piece in front of it, people would stand there and go, oh my God, that's amazing. If only I had an ochre wall. <laughs> and and, and you're, you're sort of like, really? Yeah. And they're like, yeah. And you go, I could paint the wall for you. Yeah. You know, and then you slowly realise actually after a while that they were never going to buy the piece. It was just, you know, they're, they're we, just there with their friends. And I, I, I get that. But, but people are very literal, you know. Oh, yeah, but look, it's in a, you know, in a studio. They'll sort of go, yeah. or in a gallery. They go, oh, yeah, but you know, look, it's in a gallery, white walls. And you can yeah. think, you know, you could create that space around it. But then interestingly, does it then mean when you get that piece, you know, interesting or engaging as it is, and you put it into a residence, does it have the same presence? There's no way Or does it just, you know, it's kind of how it feels to you and how you respond it's, to it's, it. It's, it's quite interesting because it sort of made me, um, a couple of times, um, Becca sort of says to me, my wife, um, oh my God, I've never met anyone who can talk themselves out of a sale like you. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I'm, I'm brilliant. And I kind of think, you know, I have this background of literally selling fruit yeah. to people and I was really you know I don't myself I was really really good at what I did yeah. but it wasn't my work right and so I kind of do this this English thing I think it is which is you're being self-effacing yeah. and so someone sort of comes in and they're oh, I really need to buy that it's I have to have it it's amazing it's amazing and like five minutes of talking to me and like they're running out the door because I've said, well, yeah, but you know, yeah, but it might not go there. Well, I could do it like this. Or have you thought about maybe doing that? And then you can see <laughs> Becca going, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Things I can picture Becca's face. Yeah. An absolute desperation. Yeah. Um, but that, that's only like an initial thing. I think when, um, you know. Do you do much of that selling yourself now? Is it mostly no, for the gallery? thank God. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's mainly the gallery. But, uh, yeah, and actually I just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> it is, I mean, in the studio we have the same policy now. Is they make me keep my mouth shut. Yeah. Um, although, yeah. to be fair, I have learnt over the past few years how to sell. 
Yeah. And it really is doing nothing more than don't raise the objections yourself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Let no, but them that, do but, it. No, exactly. But, that, but that's what it is. It's a very and, English thing. You, you, you sort of go, oh, well, yeah, but maybe this isn't yeah. right for you. It's like, <laughs> really? Oh, okay. Mm. And it's just, yeah. all you have to do is suggest to someone that, that um, yeah. all is not well. Yeah. And, and they're like, mm, I'm feeling a bit uncomfortable with it now. You know, and and, and we're talking about large sums of money. Yes, completely. And also the thing with sculpture as well, which I have always thought you can't underestimate, is if you buy a painting and you kind of have it, you know, you fall in love with it, you have an idea where you're going to put it, and then you get home, whether it's your, you know, your flat in town or your big country house or, you know, your house in the suburbs, and you, you go in and you think, oh my God, that doesn't look right there at all. But you then move it around and then you find someone and you go, do you know yeah. what? It looks perfect there. But that isn't where we bought it for, but it looks perfect there. And a sculpture that is really heavy, you kind of have to be pretty on the money with where it's going to go yeah. because you can't just pick it up and move it again. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, will it look right? Will you love it every time you walk past it? Um, so I think it's, it's much more of a commitment sculpture certainly the biggest stuff and you only worked a commission now is that no no i kind of um i still like to make pieces and then give <laughs> give robin at the gallery <laughs> the endless task of trying to sell them well this piece <laughs> tom was having an off day um yeah no i it's a kind of blend of both but i i like yeah making things <laughs> you do i mean you do genuinely seem to like making things yeah no i do yeah and while I'm, I suppose the whole kind of thing is quite serendipitous because while I'm sort of making it, because I don't particularly sketch a lot, I, I'll sort of start on something and then I'll think, oh no, I can't, I can't do it like that, like that picture in my head. But I've kind of gone too far into it. So then I, I, the material kind of moves you in a different direction, but I still retain in my head what I wanted to do yeah. with it. And so that then informs the next piece. Yeah. And so I suppose it's good because it's like a continuing yeah. process. And, and suddenly you'll see a picture like five years later, you're going through your portfolio or your photos you haven't put into your portfolio and you'll think, oh God, yeah, actually I was going to do that. Yeah. And that then, you know, so I think it's a, it's a journey, but you keep sort of coming back I think, to... I think you said something right at the beginning about um, you have evolved a language that's yours. Yeah. A use of words yeah. that form pictures. And effectively, I think each of these amazing sculptures I see is sort of like a novel. And yeah. I think you park bits when I'm talking to you because I know we you talked over ideas. I mean, I've known you a long time now, yeah. and I'll you, you'll talk about an idea or something you tried to do and it didn't work. But I'll see it crop up in a in a later. Yeah. It's almost like you you buried that plot line. It yeah. didn't quite work there. Yeah. And you just I'll put that in the next novel. Yeah. But it's still in your language. You're still using the words. Yeah, the, and the it's, visual words. No, definitely. And it's really funny because people should say. Um, I mean, a few people like artists said to me, oh. Um, probably not successful ones. Where, where, where'd you get your ideas? And I kind of think, what do you mean, where do I get my ideas? I mean, ideas have never been an issue at any point for me. Making them has been much more of an issue um, because it, it's, it, you know, if you don't have that sort of engineering background, then, you know, you, those visions that you have in your head are much more difficult to uh, to kind of put down. That, that, that was another um, definitely kind of quantum moment was meeting a friend of Becker's called Michael, um, who is an engineer and a good mate. And um, he definitely made my work stand up much better. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, but he's great. And, uh, and also he, he's very intuitive about sort of how I work. So um, that just makes it a lot easier because Otherwise, you know, you kind of have to go, right, and so, you know, I need this, that diameter, and that like that, and that like that, and like that. And so, you, you, you know, the ones where, with, with Michael, I, I can just kind of go, okay, I need to do this big stone circle, and I want it to be two and a half metres in diameter. Uh, I think, do you think we need the tube? And he'll go, it's got to be this. And Michael, I love Michael, always over-engineers, which is great, because if he doesn't, it falls down. Yeah. And um, I think that's, you know, that, that was definitely a a big step forward for me and um i just think with anything you know you 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 um you get out of anything what you put into it and so actually you know 
he, he's a good mate and we've always been like right with each other and um, same with the gallery and or you know you and I that you know you have to be you have to do right by people <laughs> I've tried to kick you out of my studio over numerous years and you still come back and even with that that you know that porno facility <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah I, know, I didn't do very good I was trying to persuade you to use a different studio yeah. not necessarily a different photographer but a different yeah. studio and I don't think I did very well no we'll go on another hunt we'll no. find one we can drive we could blame Sarah into. for that though because she found it she found that one yeah, yeah. I tell yeah. you, I, I was watching, uh, when you and Becca came and you did uh, the other day and you came and did about an hour on the flowers. The flowers, on the, on the yeah. Sculpture. One thing I spotted during that session, and I'm curious about it, was you were much more prescriptive about the photography for Becca's floristry yes. than you have ever been for any of the sculpt, sculptures that I have photographed for you. And I was kind of... I could second guess maybe why, but I wondered if you'd noticed that because you never you never give me a running commentary on what you like or don't like when I'm shooting your work, but um, you did with the floristry when it was somebody else's work. Because Becca's much more of a creative than I am. I think. I mean, naturally, she's she's really really talented um, with her flowers, plants, and but but she, um, I will kind of speak up. And I've learned from experience that if you don't sort of say, well, actually, I don't really like this, that then you have to say it further down the line. And actually, that's just such a waste of everyone's time. Yeah. And so I kind of know, um, I, I knew the look because we spoke about it for a year before we actually got around to coming <laughs> it's into been your a long studio time coming, hasn't it? and doing something yeah. about it. I, I knew the look that she wanted and I, I knew by the way that, that we were sort of lighting it and things, that actually what, what we needed to do. <clears throat> I could be completely wrong, and she may see the photographs and go, they're awful. Well, they're, um, they're beautiful. They're be exactly. I mean, her work is beautiful, it and is. it's lit well. Yeah. And the, the shape and form of them has that really wonderful, sort of fine art, old masters kind yeah. of still life look yes. about it. Yes, And I'm, I'm hoping that's what you're going for, because no, if no, not, no. We're, no. we're going back in the Completely. studio. And, and what, what I think is, um, you know, I've never met anyone, literally, and I'm not saying it because it's Becca, I've never met anyone that she's done flowers for that they haven't said, oh my God, they are so beautiful. Yeah. Because it's all about the detail for yeah. her. And, and, you know, she will look, and th that's the difference between a florist and someone who can do flowers. Yeah. I can do flowers, but I'm not a florist. Yeah. Becca can walk into a garden or a market and go, I want that, 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 that. Because in her head, she has this, this picture of what she's going to do. And the reason why I was prescriptive in your studio is because she's too lovely and too polite to kind of go, well, actually, can, can, we, can we do it like that? But, uh, she would just go, yeah. oh, no, it's lovely, thank you. But what, is it, what, what interested me was that you've never been like that over your sculptures. Because, no, but I think that's more because um, I... When I see them in your studio, because look what a mess my workshop is. It's <laughs> um, a mess. It's clearly a creative space. Yes, yeah. Um, I, all I'm doing is I'm looking at that piece and there's nothing, there's no other cluster, there's just that. And so I look at that and I think, yeah, that's that's great I really like that because it's the first time I'm really sort of seeing it in isolation um, and I also do, I, do I know that you know work. you know because we've worked together long enough like with Michael I, I know that you know what I'm looking for and so I like some shots that are very kind of black and white and I like some shots that are what I call moody um, so more shadow and more you know and they, they are more interesting but I'm also I'm, I'm very kind of conscious quite interesting quite conscious of the fact that that um, some people are going to go, oh, I saw that in your catalogue, but now I've seen it in real life. Oh, yeah, it's really different. Yeah. You know, and I think it's very easy, which is what I said earlier, to make something look more beautiful, um, more, I don't I, know. I, I don't think I've, I hope I've only ever brought the beauty of your work out. I don't think the photos are more beautiful. But what I'm work. saying is that it's like, so when I first saw the Mona Lisa, which was with Becca, yeah. I remember thinking, oh my God, it's tiny. Yes, Harriet, do you because know my Because in my came... head, it was this amazing, great, big yeah, yeah. painting. Um, yeah. And Becca, Becca said, oh, the Mona Lisa's down here. And there's this great crowd of people. Yeah. I kind of, you know, wound my way through and went, really? <laughs> it's like... My daughter did the same yeah. thing this weekend. And yeah. she came back and said, don't bother. Yeah. She said, the Mona Lisa's tiny, it's, it's not worth it. <laughs> you know, and it's just, I think that's, yeah. that's really sad. But then you get, so then Becca and I went to the... Van Gogh exhibition at the Royal Academy, which was a few years ago now. 
And I had obviously seen lots of Van Gogh in kind of magazines and things, but my parents were not remotely artistic. I didn't, we didn't get taken to any art galleries or museums. It's just not what they did. And um, so I remember sort of walking through and it was a really well curated show because it was sort of, you know, his, his start. And then when, you know, he was, it was very dark in yeah. Flanders and what have you. And then you walk through and you walk through and then when he was down in the south of France yeah. and you were like oh my god it was just and no photograph you could have taken would have given you that that visceral feeling yeah. that you got when you were standing in front of those paintings because the way the light bounces yeah. off um, off the oil and you could see how thick it was just amazing and I, I was I mean I really was like knocked out I thought wow you know and you don't get that from a photo whereas a lot of situations a lot of pieces you can photograph and you can romanticize the photograph yeah. to, if that makes sense yeah. um so you know you'll see a photo and it's you know well, it's like you come out your house the light at some mornings is amazing yeah. so that sculpture on the front of yeah, the house yeah, yeah. and it's just like wow yeah. look at that misty morning it, i mean it is and it's not me being up my work it is beautiful yeah. but you could you know you could put an old box up there and it would look amazing in the light yeah, <laughs> in yeah, some yeah. mornings and that's my point yeah but um it's well you have to see sculpture in the flesh i think but, but lighting your work is like that it's really exciting to do and it's why you know, we keep yeah. working together because i love yeah. it um but it is about you know that piece you brought in the other day the sort of um semi uh, you know a circle with a chunk of ten the cheese i'm sure they're the cheese pac-man <laughs> <laughs> the pac-man yeah. um, that's what becca called if it. you light it when we lit it right it popped yeah. because suddenly you were seeing as, as you pointed out the hammer impacts on the one side of the slate yeah. and to do that you've got to light from quite a harsh angle to bring the light and shadow on each of those little hammer impacts yeah but when you get it right it's just it's, it's quite exhilarating yeah you know um yeah. and also you shut up for a moment which i find also yeah. quite exhilarating because i'm not on the phone uh i can't remember but yeah <laughs> usually <laughs> upsetting my team there's been a, a a re repetition of yes. just annoying my team. Yeah. I like to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, will you please leave my team alone? Um, I was going to ask you, why your love of slate? Why slate in particular? I'm surrounded by lumps of uh, slate in one form or another. Beautiful material it is. I think because it was, and you're like, I probably shouldn't admit this, but it was, it was the first thing, it was actually easy to um to get hold of i i could um i think i went into a builder's merchants and there were these tiles and i thought oh i could cut those up and do something with those and so it was just it was it was easy and then and then i um i sort of started doing that and then i sort of thought well, actually why don't i go to a quarry and so i went to a, a quarry in I always say this wrong. Blanai Festinio. Blanai. Blanai. Oh, he's well, Blanai. He's, he's definitely Blanai. He's a Welshman, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, and there, of course, then you've got the raw material. And I mean, slate fascinates me because it, it, it's, one, it's, it's not porous. Um, it's very tricky to work with, depending on what you're doing with it, because it's formed in, in layers. Yeah. And so you can literally split it with a knife and a hammer. Um, and but that really works for certain things that you're doing with it, but not for other things. But it's it's just it, it's just quite a fascinating stone. And then I kind of went on from there to like limestone and um, you know little marbles and things. It's but I, I do like slate, as you can see. Yeah, well, that might be why I've got such an affection for your work as well, because of course coming from that area. Being Welsh, yeah. Well, it was it was it was a big part of the language of the buildings around us so yes. slate was a very common yeah. roofing material yeah so you saw it everywhere and of course if you went only you know 10 or so miles from where i lived you were in slate sort of but that's why the buildings in wales aren't depressing and the buildings in scotland i always think are quite depressing because they're, they're, it's quite the stone is quite mm. drab and dour and it doesn't really change when it's when the weather's wet whereas in wales where it's always wet like it is in scotland <laughs> um it shines does you know and and it, it kind of lifts you but you know. blind eye i think blind eye for i think is the wettest place in the uk certainly it's a 
It's okay. a claim I've heard a couple of times. Yeah, it sits on it sits at the apex of where at the beginnings of a rain shadow, so the rain drops there, and then it's drier on the other right. side of the hills. It should be twinned with um, that place in Norway that we were talking about. Earlier. Bergen. Bergen. Yeah, that's pretty wet. Isn't their their town emblem is an umbrella <laughs> with something rain like drops. that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been there, actually I've been there twice, and the first time it was raining when we arrived, but the sun came out afterwards, which is actually perfect because all of the surfaces became great big reflective yeah. mirrors. It was amazing, and of yeah. course it's a very, the buildings are very colourful, and so you've got these colours reflected back off the floor and the walls. It was yeah, amazing. It's, it's beautiful. an amazing place. A beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. So they say it's, uh, it's more likely to stop raining when you're in Bergen than start. Yeah, there's, there's, not that it makes any sense. I don't know. There's a, there's a similar one where uh, where I grew up looking over the two rivers, the Mersey, the Dee, and then the Mersey into Liverpool. So I grew up being able to see across that um, pair of estuaries. And, and there was a saying that if you could see Liverpool, it was about to rain. If you couldn't see Liverpool, it was already raining. <laughs> <laughs> so that was essentially it. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of bits. Um, what's the, <coughs> what do you think is the most interesting or, or like a defining piece that you've created? Oh, really? Hmm. Oh, I don't know. I hadn't been expecting that. You should have given me a crib sheet. No, that's no fun. Uh, and I can cut the long pauses out. That's good. <laughs> um, I would say... Well, I would say there's two of them. So, well, with, with the stonework, um, I would say that the stacking the slate into a circle was... Um, I still remember the first one that I did, and I was well pleased with that. Well pleased. Is that well like a pleased. is that a sculptor's saying? I was going to say was well, well pleased, didn't it? Well chuffed. <laughs> well chuffed. Well, I was. I, I was just. I was. I was quite. Um, I was quite surprised at how well it turned out. I was like, Ooh, I really like that because I had been courting disaster for quite a while. <laughs> you know, disappointment, thinking, oh no, that's really not very good, um, and um, so that went really well and then the first i suppose um limestone the stacked kind of limestone pieces but the the, the circles in particular did as you, you sell can that see first there. piece or did you keep it no i sold the first piece in islington the london art fair um and the first stone circle i think was bought by a lady um around here yeah. So somewhere around here is a garden with a great big stone circle. Well, it's not huge. It was only, um, I think it was about a metre diameter. Right. Now they're quite so huge. How big's the one I'm looking at here? So that's it's two... About, it's about two metres-ish. No, it's 230 centimetres. So two, two metres-ish. 2.3 metres. <laughs> which which bit of... No, pull. that's not two metres-ish. Pull. I'm a guy. It's very important. <laughs> don't just knock... Dude, don't just oh, knock size off... size is important. Yeah. Don't just knock off 30 <laughs> centimetres like that. <laughs> Yeah, okay. it's like I said, two metres. So this, this piece I'm looking at here, which is 2.3 metres across. Yes. <laughs> In fact, it'll be taller than that. Only because it's got a base and a stone stick out. Absolutely. But so it's really difficult, isn't it? Because when you have to give the, the, the measurements to someone and you say, well, it's, you know, call it two metres diameter, and people go, oh, great, great. And then you kind of get it and they go, oh, no, it's taller than I thought. And you're like, well, yeah. of course it is, because it's off the ground. Yeah. So then you sort of get two metres diameter, but it's but if suspended you, but if off you the ground by it, that. They're saying, well, it's not as big as the one I paid for. Yes. You have, a, yeah, you yeah. have to get it right, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. Uh, tell me a disaster where something's gone wrong. Only because, you know, getting someone to admit things that go wrong always makes me smile. Um, so the first disaster, what well, the first? <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, settle in, folks. This could be a story or two. <laughs> the, the first disaster was... The stacked piece um, that was slate that um, my mate Michael said, I said, okay, so I want it twisting like this. And he went, okay, cool. I think we should do it in this. And I went, oh, really? That's really thick. He went, no, no. And I went, no, I think we're doing this. He went, okay, fine. So I actually built it at his place. And it was, it was about two meters high and um, He'd left and I was on the phone to him and he said, oh, how is it? Oh, it looks brilliant. And I'd put the last stone on and as I was talking to him, I heard this like really weird noise and I turned around and it literally <laughs> just collapsed <laughs> past my ear like this. And basically what happens with steel is that it doesn't snap, it just yep. folds and kind of goes like this. And, um, and I, was, 
I, oh my God, that is a disaster. Because it was a commission for someone. And Michael is hilarious. Michael's like, it's not a problem. We just make it thicker. Yeah, you know, nothing's a disaster yeah. to him. And um, I'm a drama queen, he, he is. <laughs> and, uh, and so we just made it thicker, which meant that I then had to drill all the holes. And so you had to the holes. But luckily we did do that because it ended up at the, on the penthouse of this block of flats on Putney Bridge. And you can see it from Putney Bridge. And, uh, and I was thinking, imagine <laughs> if, if it had been okay. I've seen a picture of that yeah. on your website. Yeah. That's on your website. Isn't and then it? You, stack, you stack it all up there and then it just collapses one night. That would have been a proper disaster. <laughs> so, uh, but no, no other disasters. Oh, right. So, it's the, the first one. There, there, were a couple of, there were a couple of vegetable disasters, definitely. <laughs> I remember uh, I had to How do. You have a vegetable disaster? Well, I had this. I, had this, I can't remember who it was for. I think it was for some. It was for a drinks company. They, they, were, they were doing. Uh, JMB, it was like a whiskey brand. And they, they were doing some um, sort of like uh, beer drink. And so they, they wanted me to create this head using these, these beer bottles. And so I, I made this, basically this enormous head made out of um, herbs and fruit. And then the beer bottles were like his hair yep. coming out like this. And I hadn't put enough structure inside it. And I had it in the back of my van. And I was driving to this job. And I could see in the mirror, <laughs> suddenly as I went around the corner, his head collapsed like this. His neck went. And I was like, oh, God, no. So I had to pull up around the corner. <laughs> and I was like sticking bits of metal into it. And it was fine in the end. But it was all a bit of a sweat, as they say. Oh. Yeah. So, <laughs> there you go. Uh, last couple of questions. Yeah. Uh, if, so, I mean, if, if you were talking to somebody else who's looking for their particular creativity to be photographed, what would you look for in a photographer? Given this is a photography podcast, and yes, let's give some nuggets of usefulness out to. Okay. Um, it's, it's difficult, isn't it? Because I, if, if I could use an analogy, so an analogy is if you're having your website done, and the people who do websites are invariably kind of like have a graphic design background. Not all of them, but, but quite a lot of them. And so they, they have an idea about how they want your website to look. They go, right, I've looked at your stuff. This, I think, would look great. And you are not kind of uh, courageous enough to go, actually, that isn't what I want at all. This, this, this is what I want. Or you do this and you go, I really don't mind. And actually you really do mind. And so one, it must be incredibly difficult to work with people like that as the designer, as the photographer. Um, I think you, what you need is, well, you like someone's work. So you pick a photographer by, presumably, you look at their work and you think, actually, that's really cool. And you don't just look at one image, you look at, you know, uh, their portfolio if you can access that or certainly a few images. But it's looking for someone who has empathy for whatever your subject is you know there's no point in in um someone who makes dolls going along to you and kind of going hey my mate says you're a really good photographer and you go oh my god i hate dolls they remind me of like my great great grandmother <laughs> and they really creep me out because this is not going to work is I it i get a feeling you've just exposed something about yourself that... about dolls <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't remember my grandmother but, but i suppose my question extends a little bit in that I had nothing like that on our website when you picked us. I can't remember how you got introduced. Someone introduced you. Do you know how, yeah, Michael Jakes. I was. Yeah. I'd photographed his Because family. you photographed his guys working. And so it was all about the, the kind of, the, his, well, I, it was ah, interesting it because, then? I think it was because I, um, yeah, I it was. I love that shoot. That, one of his guys is in our book. Because I was really intrigued, more than the shots you did of his work, of his like the shots of his guys I thought oh my god they're amazing and so I said oh who, who was he and he said oh yeah um, Paul Wilkinson he's a really nice guy so I went away and looked you up and I thought actually so you found the only studio the, the only studio in the area with stairs yes <laughs> and yeah and, and when I contacted you and you said we're like on the second floor I thought brilliant because my stuff's really heavy so that'll really work <laughs> I was a lot stronger six years ago. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. Yeah, very glad so you am I. Did. Um, I, I think the reason we've carried on working together is because we actually get on really well, yes. as much as everything else. Well, I think that's really important. 
But um, I, I mean, I, gen I genuinely love your work, and I hope that comes across in the photography. I hope what you yeah. see is empathetic. Yeah. You know, and it actually, I'm hopefully, I'm creating images that your work shines out. But it's your work, not mine. That's that's the hard bit. Yeah. Is is trying not to get too far down those creative yeah. rabbit holes from our point of view because I'm supposed to be showing your work off in the best light not mine no no completely and I think the fact that I kind of get over all the jibes that you put in all the time about um, <laughs> product product placement I don't really do product shots Tom <laughs> ah well that's, that's getting even for all the jibes you give my team about pay rises so. yes yeah that wasn't my fault she left <laughs> much as you'd like to blame me <laughs> Oh yes, well I'm glad she's back. Yes. Uh, last so question. <laughs> last question on that. Did you get a pay rise? <laughs> 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 uh, in a roundabout way, yes. Uh, but no thanks to you. Um, last question. Uh, we're building a library of inspiring and interesting books that a photographer could have in there library in fact i'm actually building this library i'm one by one i'm buying the books that people recommend right at the end of every podcast uh is there what, a book photography book no it doesn't have to be a photography book oh, okay. uh, so for instance some of the books i put in were actually on uh, business because if you want to be a professional photographer you better learn business faster than you learn photography trust me on that yeah uh, but just books that you you know if a photographer sat down and picked it up it'd just be interesting uh, or especially i mean obviously you're a sculptor so i'm guessing it'd be something yeah more akin to a three-dimensional visual art but um, I can't think of a specific book, but it would probably be Richard Serra. How do you spell that? S-E-R-R-A. -R -R the Americans will all know him. He's okay. this amazing American sculptor okay. who does these enormous, great big steel um, sculptures. I mean, enormous. And they are, they kind of defy belief about how they stand up. They're, they're kind of rolled and these amazing, you know, mills in Texas or wherever, and they, they kind of go up and they go back and round. They're like the prow of a ship or something. And they have like little pins underneath so they look like they're floating on the ground. They are. But so the photography, um, any books that I have seen of his, you know, the photography right. of that is amazing. Okay. And I, I should imagine that's quite a challenge to photograph something, again, on, the, on that it's, it's, scale. Yeah, we're going to be, how to, how to... Yeah, they invariably have sort of people in yeah, them. Yeah, have to show scale. But only really identify they're not, not ident as in you don't look and go hey look at that guy you yeah. just you just don't think oh my god look that's a guy they give context and scale yeah. um but yeah perfect so, i shall add that link into yeah. the notes in the bottom of this the other one would be playing with your food that, that was instrumental in <laughs> is that a book yeah, yeah. Right, i'll go find it yeah, yeah it's all about like doing silly <laughs> things with fruit okay yeah your your becca must hate it when you bring things like that up in front of the kids no no, they're dreadful eaters anyway. I don't think they're yeah. dreadful. They can't yeah. be dreadful eaters. Yeah, Gabe, uh, Gabe is such a bloke. I don't know where he gets it from. I mean, properly, he eats like a pig. And <laughs> he's just, you just look at him and you think, oh my goodness. But apparently he's a complete angel when he goes to people's houses. But, but he, oh. yeah, the creative little one is very... Um, very amazing with his hands, very you know, cuts everything up, puts his stuff away. The footballer is, you know, where, where, where are your trousers? Well, oh, I don't know. You're like, oh my God, uh, hello. Football boots? Well, oh, I don't know. You know. Can you stop putting food into your mouth until you've swallowed what you've eaten? <laughs> what? Don't talk with your mouth full. <laughs> he's a proper bloke. Oh, your kids are... Oh, and he's only eight. Your kids well, as you know, you know them, you photograph them. Uh, yeah. This is lovely. Well, Mr. Stilton, what an absolute privilege it's and a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I hope it hasn't been too it, boring. It, to be honest, it felt like exactly like when we ever get together for yes. any reason at all, except this time I recorded it. Yeah. So, And I always knew it would be an interesting podcast, given the conversations we've had. So Good. thank you very much for that. Uh, and with the sound of cockerels crowing in the background, we leave this quintessentially English scene. We really hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Certainly it was an absolute thrill for me to record it. Tom Stogden is an internationally renowned sculptor and it's always a joy uh, to be in his company. I really hope that some of the stories he was telling and some of the things he's talked about with creativity, selling your work, etc., ring true with you um, as photographers. 
Uh, if you have enjoyed it, please do subscribe. Uh, there are numerous ways of subscribing, but usually you do it in the podcast app that you're using, whether that's iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher, Radio Public. It doesn't really matter. As long as you subscribe, then the next time we release an episode, it will magically appear in your headphones or in your speakers. Um, so when you're driving along, there it is. Or when you're doing a little bit of post-production, you've got something to listen to. Um, but please do leave us a review. If it's a nice review, please leave it on iTunes. That helps other people find us uh, and leave us a star rating. That's great because we get to get an indication of what we're doing really well. If there are things you'd like to be or you'd like us to do differently or like me to do differently, then please do email me. I can be reached at paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. That's paul at paulwilkinsonphotography.co.uk. Of course, this podcast was only ever put together with the intention of making people smile and a bit happier and also maybe giving insights into what it's like to run a full time portrait photography business so if there are things we can do better then for goodness sake please do let us know also why not head across to masteringportraitphotography.com it's a free to join site but it is crammed full of articles and videos uh, to hopefully give you ideas and insights maybe skills in portrait photography it's really full it's really rich and there's a really vibrant community down there so please do head across and join us and on that happy note the sun is shining here i'm going to sign off and remember whatever else be kind to yourself good night